0: So so second, second topic here, Tim, kind of progressing past the, the SDR walk of life. So let's talk about enterprise account executive. You, you manage the, the worldwide revenue organization at Alation. So what are some common mistakes that you see from reps along the enterprise sales cycle?
1: I I think that there's probably, you know, different different facets of, of that. I think there's probably the the early stage person coming into an organization. And then the one that's been here uh, late stage so let's just unpack it and probably go in different directions i think the most common mistake and the hardest mistake that really any rep let alone in, in particular an early stage rep that everyone has to deal with is i don't have enough pipe and so therefore I try to bring in a deal that I shouldn't be bringing in, or I'm working on a deal that I shouldn't be working on and getting my head around the fact that qualifying a deal out is actually better for my pipe versus working on a deal that I shouldn't be working on. You know, And in particular, if you're six months into an
0: organization, you just That's want to scary. get on board. That's so scary, yeah. Well, you just outlined for me, I mean, I'm six months new in at ExtraHop, the idea of turning down you know, someone who wants to do a POC because it's not the right deal. I know it's the right thing to do, but yet it's still hard to do.
1: It, it takes a lot of backbone to, yep. in order to be able to do something like that. And The, other, the, the hardest part about it, it goes you know, to an experience is if you go and waste time on a deal that doesn't close, yep. you just spend time that you should be prospecting or doing other things and really it doesn't. It's hard for reps to really understand that. There's a, a friend of mine who has a, a video on LinkedIn. and talks about, you know, the lazy, you know, everybody thinks one of the top sales reps are just lazy because they only work on, on accounts that close. If you kind of think about that for a sec, they're just qualifying, yep. you know? And I think the most common mistake is not understanding that you really impact your own destiny and i went through an exercise with my team just recently which is you know perfect example what does your back half quota look like what do you have left for attainment okay how many new logos does that mean what's your new logo pipe supposed to look like what is expansion supposed to look like how many expansion deals do you need do you really have a plan in a metric based scenario to go and look at in order to drive to your annual number, right? If you haven't put metrics to your problem, you're not going to qualify because you don't actually even know your problem yet. You're just looking at it as how do I bring one deal in? And so the biggest thing is qualifying and spending your time on the right things. And you see that so, so, so early on in reps that are trying to get on the board.
0: And especially you know. right now with, with the uh, current economic situation, that problem has probably been exacerbated and it takes an even stronger backbone um, to stand firm when you know, meetings no. are scarce in general. But, but just hearing you speak, uh, it really resonates too, because if you're, if you're a rep who's chasing you know, pipeline that doesn't fit your strike zone, what that's also gonna do is it's gonna elongate the sales cycle, right? There's gonna yeah. be more time spent trying to smooth over confusions or you know, dance around issues because it really isn't a fit for your product. And just going back to your initial point, that's even more time that you're missing out that you could have been using to prospect for the rest of your year.
1: And take it a step further, remember about your impact on other people, right? Right now, we're just talking about the rep. You're wasting your FC's time. Say maybe you figure out a way to close the deal. Yeah, yeah, you celebrate, but it's a bad deal. 12 months from now, 24 months from now, They churn or your support organization is kind of wasting their time supporting a customer that you shouldn't have actually sold. There's so many ramifications and all you're trying to do is solving and getting on the board for your ego.
0: It, there's a lot of parallels, I got to be honest, between this topic and the first topic with SDRs in terms of the, the longer term thinking approach, right? And, and like truly not being selfish and truly thinking about the problem centric view. How can I help the company through my actions as a seller? That's yeah. not something that I hear from, from too many sales reps. Where'd you learn that?
1: I think when you go through building companies, you see the facets of, you know, I, when you're in a big company you don't see the whole view. You see yep. the numbers, right? And, you know, I started at IBM and I never, ever thought about that stuff. I just wasn't trained to think about it. I was just a number, you know? I mean, when I went into thoughts about I was employee 26, right? Yeah. Everything you do impacts everybody, you know? And as you build out functions and you look at numbers and you understand the, the full cycle of either success or pain that you deliver, in selling a customer, you just kind of take a different view, you know? And at the end of the day, having one area of the company do well, but others do poorly, everyone loses somehow, right? So even if you can figure out a way to hit your sales numbers, but if your customer success team is frustrated or your support team is frustrated at some point in time, that comes back to bite you. And you see that way more in early stage companies. And then you do in late stage companies because, you know, listen, you solved for it, you scaled for it, you've, you know, kind of figured that stuff out. And so you're not even like seeing it as much when you're a sales rep. But when you build something, you get to see, I mean, heck, you get to see everything, you know, I mean, move customer success. You can even just, you know, HR systems, all that fun stuff. It's just, uh, it, it, it helps you kind of get the full cam- gamut of how companies build.
0: Yep. Yeah, no, it really helps hearing you talk through these things relative to the word scale, right? I mean, that, that word is thrown around like crazy in the enterprise software world. But, but when you think about scale, it's, it's smart and efficient growth, right? And you kind of connecting the dots between scale and a frontline rep, not chasing the wrong deals at an early stage, like that's very powerful. And you can clearly see kind of the trickle down effect of chasing the wrong deal and how it inhibits scale uh, of the entire organization.
1: But it also outlines the importance of also pipe gen and any aspect of what you do too, right? Uh, Because if you force yourself to not chase down the wrong deals, it means that you have to have a number of right deals to go after too, you know? And the right deals is what the company wants, right? I mean, that's why you create ICPs or strike zones or whatever you want to call it, right? But the premise of it is that you focus on those and that's tough for a sales rep sometimes to kind of get... You know uh in their head, and even an s d r for that matter, right I mean, even when you're got a opportunity to you know get a get a lead on the board to even if it's a bad lead, you care a little bit more about just getting paid versus right. is this the right deal you know
0: can't say I've never seen or done that myself uh for being honest, but yeah, i um, <laughs>
1: hey, listen there there is you know at the end of the day, it's all about putting numbers on the board and and sometimes you do have to do a cost benefit analysis on yep. you know, do we want to take this bad deal just in order to hit a number. But at least if you represent the deal that way to the organization, at least everybody's deciding versus one person. Right.
0: So how are you, Tim, as a sales leader? How are you holding your reps accountable from the perspective of, I want to make sure that you guys aren't chasing the wrong deals. And I want to make sure that you guys are dedicating, you guys are girls are dedicating enough time to pipeline generation efforts.
1: Well, we have dedicated pipe gen efforts every week. It's just part of our daily process. So you're talking
0: um, to your sellers about pipe gen every week.
1: Oh God. Yeah. hundred percent. Yes. Yes. And at a leadership level, I have a forecast call weekly. And then the next week it's a pipe gen call. I don't even talk mm. about forecast the next week. It just purely pipe gen. Got it. Okay. And so they know that it is a focus for me. And ideally that trickles down. So my one-on-ones, or even my leadership call is one week is forecast and next week's pipe gen. Right. And ideally they're doing the same thing, you know, and we have pipe gen channels, we have awards for pipe gen, you know, all that fun stuff. We're moving to, uh, strike zone stuff, uh, POC qualification, you know, processes to make sure we're not doing POCs to sell through. We're doing them as validation events. There's a number of different things that we do in order to try to make sure that we're focused and using our time correctly,
0: you know. It's, it's very prescriptive how you're thinking about your actions and what kind of gets trickled down, right? I mean, the simple fact that you have a rotating leadership-only meeting and one week is pipeline pipeline gen and the other week is forecasting, um, that trickles it down to, you know, at the rep level. Correct. The reps aren't only ever being talked about forecast and what's this deal at? Where's this deal at? And there's that, that balance between not only the front lines, but also the leadership kind of holding everybody accountable to it. Completely.
1: That's the, that's the intent is pretty much if I'm taking it seriously, uh, they're taking it seriously. If I'm just talking about it, then they're not taking it seriously, you know? And, you know, listen, we're taking it to other levels and working on territory plans and, you know, the metric driven pipe stuff that we talked through, right? Because you know, you have to do new stuff every quarter, it just gets old, you know what I mean? So there is also an element of mixing things up that you have to kind of redo all the time. So just me talking about it every other week is one thing, but we have to look at it different ways, do different awards, do fun stuff like that.
0: Yep. So that was a fantastic answer on kind of a common mistake at at the early stage of an enterprise sales cycle. Is there anything that sticks out in your mind kind of mid to later stage that you see reps making? Yeah,
1: uh, I think the biggest thing is people don't like to redefine themselves, right? And so let me give an example. Sometimes you have transaction reps and sometimes you have expansion reps. And it's not often that you find one that does both really well. And so if you're a transaction rep, you're just used to taking out a deal at, you know, a hundred grand because that's, you know, you know, you know, it's a decent number and you kind of manage yourself into that number if you're an expansion rep you you know slow down widen the deal and that's just what you're you're used to doing but you don't actually see reps look at what other reps are doing well compared to what they're doing poorly and and learn how to become a more you know diversified rep you know they just kind of stay stuck in what they're doing because it's worked and they don't try to get better
0: I think a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of salespeople specifically rationalize that as I'm focusing on my strength and I'm ignoring my weakness and that's kind of the, the way that I'm going to get the most out of myself. Is that not how you see it? No,
1: I don't. I look at it as if we go back to what's a good opportunity, right? Hey, if I'm very good at land, but I've never done an entire account plan expansion strategy before, how the heck am I going to get good at expand? Even though that is a... Uh, a great target account and target customer for me, you know. And so, if my weakness is expansion, is my answer just I'm never going to expand that account, and the company loses out because I don't know how to expand?
0: You got to convince your management to give you a quote that's solely based on transactions.
1: Yeah, well, that's an option. <laughs> you, 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 you easily could create a land and expand team, yeah. uh, although that's probably a, a bigger company mentality right? And, and that's definitely a discussion, but ideally, I mean, listen, ideally you want to go hit two, three, 400% of your number. You got to figure out both.
0: Yeah. So you've got a well-qualified deal. You know, you're, you're checking the boxes on kind of agreed upon evaluation criteria. What are some, do, do you see any mistakes that, that experienced sellers are still making towards the end of a sales cycle that's well-qualified where they have a champion in place?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, listen, the the most common mistake in my mind is trusting that you're good at what you do. And I know that sounds crazy, but you know, there's process and there's steps and all that stuff, but the best reps still call up their managers independent of a one-on-one and go, Hey, what am I missing here? You know, the, the ones that get used to You know close and stuff and used to success they don't ask that question anymore they just kind of assume that they're right you know and they'll still close 70 percent of what they're expecting to close but they're still going to have that one or two that just catches them out of left field that completely shocks them because they trusted their champion they've seen a number of deals that follow the same path and this is going to close and they don't inspect it enough like perfect some perfect examples that i've seen is i got a great champion you know, I even spoke to the EB, everything's great. This is going down the path. They want us, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden out of left field, they lose the deal because the SI was way more influential in that deal and they didn't expect it, you know, and it's just they're like- not They're
0: not like proactively turning over every potential stone that could come up in the future and thinking about, okay, if this happens, then here's going to be the, the response to this, or here's how I can proactively kind of remove the objection in the first place. Ask yourself
1: how you can lose the deal versus how you win the deal.
0: So do you, do you have like a consistent regimen of kind of doing that type of deal review with your reps where it's, it's that risk focus and, and that's kind of only what you're when you focused to the, on?
1: When you get to the last month of the quarter, we spend on how you're going to lose the deal versus how you're going to win it.
0: Yep. And what, you just get a group, of, a group of folks on the phone and start poking holes and. I in the
1: do a call every was it week five, week ten that I do big deal reviews and any big deal that people want to submit to the big deal review. We do it publicly and we go in and kind of do a big deal review. Yep. Awesome.
0: You've poked enough holes in my sales <laughs> methodology and skill <laughs> sets that, you know, it's pre- I pretty much feel like a piece of Swiss cheese at this point. Uh, it's fun. <laughs> it's good stuff. You know? I think it's easy, one it, of the it's things easy w- to be in
1: the catbird seat, you know?
0: Yeah. No. And, and one of the things about you is, I mean, Literally every time I talk to you, I walk away like feeling enlightened or having, you know, like feeling like my career got accelerated, you know, by three or six months just by talking to you, right? It's kind of like reading a book where, you know, you can spend a couple of days reading a book and you can learn about something that way, or you can spend six months, you know, going through it and experiencing it that way. And I think it just goes kind of back to the overall value of having mentors as a, as a younger citizen sales professional, right? Business mentors, people who truly care about you as individuals really accelerate and really kind of become a, a compounding force multiplier, whatever you want to call it for young reps. So Tim, I can't thank you enough for everything you've done for me personally and professionally. You know, you're the reason I'm out here in Boston.
1: It's been a pleasure knowing you the last, I don't even know, what is it, four years, five years? You know, people that you choose to invest in, is usually the ones that show the passion to do more and and learn and, you know, want to take the next step, you know? And so, you know, listen, there's a network of you guys and, and I'm definitely happy to have you be in that network. It's fantastic to talk with you on a consistent basis and, you know, have you a part of my my network and my life as well
0: appreciate that and then something that always stays in the back of my mind is a couple of times that you've you know really really helped me in my career and kind of get to that next step you know after i thanked you what you said to me is hey there's gonna you know there at some point i don't know when but at some point you're gonna help me with something so you know i'm happy to give you the favor this time but at some point it's going to come back around yeah, I, hold true, yeah, yeah, I hold yeah i hold true to that i truly believe that at some point i'll be able to help you out solve a problem and you know advance you your career or your you know personal path, wherever you are.
1: I will close on. I thought I was thinking through our conversation. And I was like, oh, I think I'm I think I messed up, and I'm a metrics person, so I can't mess up the metrics. I said that I think Dara ran three miles, and you know the time that I ran five, sort of thing. It's the opposite. She's like, we've been, I've been I looked at the numbers as we were talking. Uh, I obviously messed those numbers up, but she's running like probably twice the amount of miles in the same amount of time that we're that we're doing it. So. Uh, I'm I'm hoping she gets to the 750k, and I can do 250k of the thousand. You know? Oh,
0: jeez! You're really just letting her carry the whole workload.
1: Well, I, hey, listen. When you find, you know, to the point of being smart and qualifying, right? I mean, if she's gonna, you know, carry the load on that, <laughs> the, the 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 stuff, why 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 make it hard on myself? You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: All right. Well, well, next April, I'm gonna I will not be running the Boston Marathon, but I will be uh, watching if you're participating because that's gonna be quite funny yeah it will be <laughs> i will,
1: I will probably be rolling in the Boston Marathon as opposed to running but oh you know, yeah we'll,
0: you'll be you'll be rolling you'll be limping you'll be gasping for <laughs> air it'll be a, a true sight to behold
1: it will be fun it'll be fun
0: <laughs> all right Tim well thank you so much for joining I, I know you got to run, but I can't thank you enough and I'll talk to you soon
1: Nice talking with you sir thanks for having me on and uh, I can't wait to you know continue to listen to all of your podcasts Oh, 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 oh,